In all of the years we've been coming to Afghanistan's capital city of Kabul, it's never been this dangerous. So dangerous that American personnel rarely drive on the city streets. That's from Sunday night, 60 Minutes, and uh, later this hour we're going to have on our military analyst Mike Lyons to talk a little bit about that story on how it's more dangerous in Kabul than at any point that Laura Logan's been going to Kabul, for instance, since, and she's been going there since the war started. So we've spent a trillion dollars, thousands of lives. Uh, we're spending uh, $4 billion a year on their security for them, and it's more dangerous than it's ever been. And you used to land in Kabul... And she and military personnel or whoever, you would drive to the safe zone. Now they have to helicopter you to the safe zone. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can drive to the safe zone because it's too just, dangerous. Just too dangerous, yeah. yeah. And this is the only part of the country that really is, quote-unquote, controlled by the central government. At all. In a significant way. And it's yeah. too dangerous to drive around. Yeah, yeah. So it's, That was crazy. What are we accomplishing there? A trillion dollars, and it's more dangerous than it has ever been since it started. Yep. Probably uh, talk to Mike about North Korea as well, which was on 60 Minutes and was really interesting. Yeah, and a story was in the New York Times over the weekend about how there's a a bunch of different ways it looks like we're gearing up for a possible war with North Korea. And I want to ask him about that because Mike Lyon's argument has been for a long time, look, we can't be doing that. We would have to be um, maneuvering in a whole bunch of different ways if we were actually going to strike them. Well, are we doing that now? That's what I want to ask him. Mm -hmm. I also want to check these KFC gravy-infused cocktails out. Actually, I don't drink anymore, so I can't do that. But mm. Kentucky, You could get the virgin versions, yeah. so you'd just be drinking gravy. Which is fine with me. Kentucky Fried Chicken has gone the way of the stunt food, like yes. so many people have, because you get mentioned, for instance, on this radio program. Isn't it kitchen fresh chicken now, Jack? It'll always be Kentucky Fried Chicken to me. They tried that name change for about three weeks. Nobody bought it, yeah, so they just... I like my fried chicken with just a little bit of slavery. Oh, boy. Wow. Whatever, whatever they're trying to show with that guy in his plantation outfit. What is that? Was that the image? Uh, he's old timey. Okay. There were good times. Lemonade on the porch. Um, yeah. Is that why they went kitchen fresh just to get away from the whole Kentucky thing? Or was it the fried thing? Fried. Okay. At least that was, uh, that's my recollection of the argument at the time. But if I was going to have one of these um, uh, gravy infused cocktails, I would have the gravy Mary. Hmm. It sounds pretty good. It's vodka and gravy, and then a bunch of stuff you mix together. And you can have that as an eye-opener in the morning. Gravy, Mary. When I'm coming like a off heavy of... gal I dated briefly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, huh? <laughs> what are my other choices? Gravy, Mary has very low standards. So <laughs> oh, whoever's around. <laughs> um, yeah, Gravy, Mary sounds like something might have a, you know, hey, you got a rough night whether you binge too much on alcohol or, uh, or gravy. Yeah. Too much fast food the night before. And you, yes. Oh, I need a little gravy to... Steady the hands. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so look at those at Kentucky, for those at Kentucky Fried Chicken. So I don't, I don't get another choice than the Gravy Mary. You want another one? Yeah, I want like a gin and gravy, <laughs> a little squeeze of lime. Mm. By the way, bartenders of the world, the lime is not a garnish in a gin and tonic; it's an ingredient. God's sakes, you hand it to me without a lime? Are you kidding? Then you kind of just put it on the edge of the glass or this tiny little... No! It's an ingredient. And the struggle... Tell you what, this the, is... The struggle is real. Fallen. The struggle <laughs> the, is the real. The struggle is real. Which reminds me, this the 24-year-old guy, Jordan Leach, quoted in the uh, Mercury News' article about the fur con. Um, he says, the struggle is real, man. All right, Mr. Leach, you got to help me out because I can't tell. 
Whether was that a dryly ironic joke, or were you being sincere? Please get in touch with the Armstrong and Getty Show at your earliest convenience. Uh, how your car may know more about you than your spouse if you have a modern car, which is kind of cool. New York Times had this the other day that I thought was really interesting. Maybe we'll link this. Fifty years later, it feels familiar how America fractured in 1968, and particularly how it would have looked if social media had occur, uh, existed at the time. Mm. And the main reason I think this is uh, worthwhile is for anybody who feels like we're at a low point in American history or things have never been this stressful or, or whatever. Your this is such in- a scary time to be alive. I've joined the resistance. Yeah, your hair's on fire about how rough things are. Here's just some of the, uh, the the headlines the New York Times had that would have shown up on your phone in 1968. This is just January to April, by the way. Here's just a little hit of January to April. Uh, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was uh, killed in Memphis by a white gunman. They got that alert, of course. Uh, president Johnson narrowly defeats Eugene McCarthy in the New Hampshire primary. Oh, my God, the president being challenged in his own party mm. and barely won one of the primaries. Then you'd be getting the alert a couple of days later. President Johnson will not run for re-election, which is a big deal. Senator Robert F. Kennedy said he would seek the Democratic presidential election, election uh, uh, nomination. And so uh, you got that going on. Then the Tet Offensive hits in Vietnam. Um, in which uh, many more uh, U.S. soldiers were killed. And similar to our conversation about Afghanistan, it became very clear to everybody of what are we exactly accomplishing here. The big difference being that this alert would have come to you April 11th in the year 1968. They've decided to cap the number of troops in Vietnam at 549,500. 549,000 U.S. troops in a country where they're dying at one point, at 150 a week. Right. If I might jump in, the thing about the Tet Offensive, and this goes back to the Pentagon Papers and everything else, which we've been talking about lately, is that the word was absolutely consistently the uh, Viet Cong, the North, they're on the run. We've got this one. It's really looking good. A lot of support in the South for the regime. Things are looking good. They, hell, they can. We got them on the run. They could, It's like Obama was saying about Al-Qaeda's on the run and Osama's dead. And then all of a sudden, they, uh, they launched this gigantic offensive that actually failed, but it proved that they were completely capable of widespread warfare still. And the word coming out of the administration was bunk. A brief synopsis. This is all in a couple of months of 1968. <laughs> Columbia University closed its campus after student demonstrators seized the president's office in three buildings. Then a couple of days later, a thousand police officers stormed the Columbia University campus in the middle of the night to oust the protesters. It'd be a pretty big news story. A thousand cops. Wow. A thousand cops on a college campus. <laughs> Taking it back. Uh, Nixon declares or is uh, nominated for the Republican Party. The Russians invade Czechoslovakia, which is not a minor deal. Soviet Union on the march. Oh, that's a huge deal. Democratic Party nominates Hubert H. Humphrey for president. Um, because I, I skipped the text where Bobby Kennedy was shot and killed. And he went through that whole thing. Don't skip that one. Uh, well, this New York Times kind of did a terrible way of laying this out. They yeah. come at you. It's it's electronic. They come oh, at I you see. to try to, to show you the pace of things, right. but they disappear from the screen faster right. than you can keep up with them. Well, and the fact that uh, they went through four months in like two minutes, that's not the pace of things. <laughs> True. Um, three men flew around the moon. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Nixon's elected president. 
etc., uh, etc. Et but as you can see, oh, and the riots outside the conventions and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. How about your uh, your Watts riots? Well, that was 68, right? I thought it was 65. Detroit. Anyway. Or was that uh, L.A.? There were, when were the, I had the, my riots are getting mixed up in my head. But uh, this is not the most stressful time oh, that no. we've had, even in recent history, is no. the point. And, uh, and a lot of that stuff, thank God, is not happening. We're not having major figures being shot down uh, in the street. Um, thank God. Not yet. I hope that's, never, that's not coming. Um, we're not having bombs going off all over the country, as we were having happen at that time. Right. Right. Uh, you know, part of the reason, I think, is probably, you know, we, we uh, our leaders, our candidates are are so uh, carefully guarded. Yeah, so that's, completely that, guarded. that is a lot of it, sure. Yeah. But, you know, but good. So that can happen. Because we had to. Yeah, Chicago was in 1968 after yeah. ML King's uh, assassination. 28 blocks inundated with looting and arson. Mayor Daley mobilized more than 10,000 police officers, et cetera, et cetera. Watts was in 65. Good call there. For better or worse, maybe it's for better. Our tolerance for various things is is much different than it was now. 550,000 troops in a war that's going poorly and a lot of Americans are getting killed. Mm -hmm. Unthinkable now. Yeah, I can absolutely understand the uh, the militancy on the campuses and everything else because your friends were getting shipped over. Oh yeah, you know, Wait, for a, yeah. for a, a terrible war and and uh, leaving out the fact that you could be forced as a nineteen year old to go whether you want to go or not. Right, and the idea that we're being lied to about the war and there's misinformation and blah 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 that was not that did not come out after the war. A lot of it did, but there was a growing awareness or sense of that. You know, it's like the Afghanistan thing right now. Listen, the generals in charge, they, they project optimism, and the, the president of Afghanistan was was uh, defiant in that we'll, we'll fight as long as it takes. We have no timetable, generations if need be. It's very, uh, very moving. Um, at the same time, there are quite a few of us who are thinking, uh, this seems to be a waste of time and lives and cash. And but so it was in 1968. You're not going or your kid's not going. Uh, so it right. can get pushed to the back burner. Yep. Oh, we should link that article at the website because it's pretty damned interesting. And how would that have affected? How would that have affected things if people had been getting that Something kind of news flow through tweets here. and instant updates, twenty-four hour when news cycle? Is, just been in your face a lot more. I don't know. Would things have been worse or better? I, Makes I don't it a lot easier to mobilize uh, dissent. That's for sure. You don't have to print up thirty thousand flyers, for instance. Uh, we will talk to Mike Lines in about a half hour about that whole Afghanistan situation. Secret to a happy marriage is knowing how to fight. Your car knows more about you than your spouse. Those are two spouse-related questions for you. Super. I'm going to put together one of these gravy cocktails, mm. a virgin sure. version, and hammer it down. Sure. See, see if that gets me where I want to be. God, I keep thinking of that coating of fat in your mouth. You'd oh, have. That'd be awesome. Huh? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, 
On Saturday, officials in Hawaii mistakenly sent out an alert that said a missile was headed toward the island, and Trump didn't comment until the next day. That's classic Trump right there. I mean, the first time there actually is fake news, he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> this is your thing! This is your... We've been working on this! <laughs> why do the late-night jokes leave me so... Why, why is that? Have I lost the ability to, uh, to enjoy anything? Yes. Yes, you have. Have I clearly. lost my sense of joy? I don't know. There are multiple islands as part of Hawaii, by the way. Jimmy. Ignoramus. There's the house that the scumbags were shackling their kids in. Yeah. That's, that is definitely a nice neighborhood. Sure. Yeah. Very pleasant. Well, the guy was a computer engineer. He made a fair amount of money through the years. Worked for Northrop Grumman at one point, And he, he was just, he and his wife were these bizarro religious fundamentalists who wildly misinterpreted various Bible verses and methods for raising their children and kept them as emaciated prisoners. Just sick. Does that say something about a modern society that you can keep a dozen kids in dungeons? And adults. And adults, yeah. In, in a, well, a dozen people in dungeon-like conditions for decades? Yes. Without your neighbors knowing anything yes, about it? Yes, it does say something about modern society. What does it say, Joe? That uh, we're, we're disconnected. We have false, like, thread-like connections through media, social media, etc., but no real connections, no standing on the lawn talking to each other connections. Well, I feel like a complete hypocrite because I'm I'm not the hang out with people sort of guy. Right. So well, but, they, but they could be doing anything. They could be growing pot next door to me right now. They could be breeding pandas. They could be I don't know fomenting a revolution in Guatemala. For all I know, I I don't know. Yeah, especially when I lived in town, like on a, a the circle at the you know end of a cul-de-sac or whatever. I knew most of the people fairly well, some of them really well, but there was a house or two I knew zero about Sure, in that circle of like eight homes. There was a house or two that I didn't even think about it because I never ran into them. So it was just a house between those people and those people that I know. Mm-hmm. Right. But I never saw anything go on at that house. I think there people lived there. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, anything could have been going on in there. Right. Anything. And... Uh, is it is it required in modern society? Should we go knock on the door and say, "Hey, I'm your neighbor. I I've lived here for two years. I've never seen you." Yeah, what's thought going maybe, on in there? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. No? But thought maybe we ought to come over for dinner, or you come oh. over to our house, or something. Or yeah, you let me nice. snoop around your house and see if you got a meth lab. <laughs> You're breeding pandas. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? But that is, yeah, that can happen pretty easily. When I look at these pictures, I always think, how could that be going on with that house? What is that house? Ten feet from that other house? Sure, the backyard, so they share a fence. Yeah. Absolutely. How could that be happening? But, like I just said, there were there were homes in my cul-de-sac. Anything could have been going on in there. Mm-hmm. And people would have said, how did you not know that? Well, I don't like people. That's how I didn't know. But and Then my wife and I would be talking about it, and we'd begin to argue. How many of the people That's in those homes... That's a transition. How many yes. of the people in those homes... You know, are sitting there on Facebook communicating with hundreds or thousands of friends, right? Uh, whilst not even knowing the name of the person that's fifteen feet away from them, yeah, a lot, yeah. It's strange, just an interesting way to organize society. It wasn't that way before? Mm-hmm. It is that way now. Probably always will be that way in the future um, until the revolution comes. Your car company may know more about you than your spouse when you come. Uh, it's all about modern cars, and you probably know this. And it's getting more so uh, that way all the time. 
the amount of information that your car keeps track of or stuff that gets downloaded into your car. I've had this happen a couple of times with rental cars where all of a sudden I press the wrong button and it's downloading all my contacts from yeah. my phone yeah. into its computer. And, I, and I'm jamming it, buttons trying to get it to stop. I don't want you to know everybody's phone number and address. And then, ah, too late. Mm. It's weird. Yeah. And um, and insurance companies are really loving this new idea of keeping track of uh, where you drive, how fast you drive, especially how fast you drive. Um, some cases, how hard you brake, all that kind of stuff. Wow. Like how, how fast you accelerate or how hard you brake. A cat ran out in front of me. What do you want out of me? Well, what do you do it all the time? Oh, I see. Like I do. Jackrabbit starts screech to a halt. That's why I go everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be very relaxing. (laughs) Wife wears a crash helmet. (laughs) So between downloading all the stuff from your phone and keeping track of everywhere you go and everything you do, yes, Mm -hmm. your car could know more about you than your spouse does. Oh, speaking of women who travel at a high rate of speed, uh, we have confirmation Danica Patrick is dating Aaron Rodgers. Really? Star quarterback of the... Green Bay Packers. Who did he just break up with? Olivia Munn. Right. I think, oh, I think he traded traded down. I think. Well, I think yeah. Right. Hey, hey, Aaron. Warning, warning. She's got loser sauce all over. Danica Patrick. Yeah. Oh, ne- just from losing wins. races never or just wins. personality? You don't want to hang out with a loser, Aaron. You're a winner. <laughs> loser sauce. You're a winner. And she's actually gotten an advantage in the in the sport that she's competing in with race cars. Like it's all about power versus. Power and weight equals the speed, right? And she weighs less than her male counterpart. She, she still she loses. Cause, cause should have. Some, some wispy little fellas driving those cars, too. Yeah. Um, I like it when they fight. A couple of 135-pound <laughs> little fellas. She's done, though, I'm right? I'm so angry at you. I am so angry at you. And then they fight. Her career is over. Does that mean this Super Bowl, I don't have to see her in a GoDaddy ad and supposed to be outraged by how sexy she is or something? Hmm. Annoying. I've always found her annoying. Her whole thing is, look at me, I'm hot. Oh, whatever. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> you and your loser sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Go win a race or something. That's what I'd do. That's a good her. critique. Yeah. Uh, what do you got coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? I know it's too early to ask you that, but I'm asking you that anyway. All righty then. Donald Trump attacking the media yet again this morning while gearing up for his fake news award. He is, he, so he is going to go through with yes. that. Okay, yes, I thought, he is. I thought, I thought he had dropped that. I thought we, that was yet another oh, loud oh, pronouncement oh, no. that just kind of whimpered away. Well, this is going to be a full 24-hour news cycle then when he when he starts announcing these. Oh, yeah, we got we get an update for you on that. Will that hurt chances at a DACA deal? No. How about a government shutdown? Yeah. And the State Department's eye-opening advice for Americans traveling to North Korea. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Um, many people going to the Olympics in South Korea, I wonder? I don't know. Would you go? Uh, yeah. You would? Oh, absolutely. Feel comfortable? Yeah. We got to get the clips of the senators, uh, Republican senators who have said, no, nah, no, nah, Trump didn't say that. It's just funny to hear him say it out loud. Sure. Right. He never said asshole. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. To know some sports talk people who are really, uh, really cool, good people, like them. Haven't you said sports talk is just barely above grunting as communication <laughs> and flatulence? Yes, it's the lowest form of human communication. But so anyway, if these if these shows 
Like, for instance, uh, you got like your Bay Area of uh, California. You got your uh, your Niners. You got your Raiders. Soon it'll be the Las Vegas Raiders. But if those shows took nothing but calls from Raiders fans and Niners fans saying, Raiders suck. And then the next guy goes on, you know what? Niners are great. Raiders suck. Next call is, Raider Nation, Niners suck. (laughs) That would be the equivalent of the political coverage in America's media. We are so ill-served. How much time has been spent on did the president say poop hole or not? A lot. Shizzle hole. I've decided that's going to be my new go-to. So did he say shizzle hole or not? And will that help the deal? Will that will that uh, make it more difficult to get a deal for DACA? Well, if you think about that for five seconds, what the hell difference would that make? If you got a decent deal on the table, you'd say, what an a-hole. What are you calling those countries that for? They got enough problems. But then you'd come to a deal because... You spout all the time that your great, great concern is for those poor, deferred action people, those young people brought here, blah, blah, blah. They're dreamers, Joe. No, I I dream too at night, so call me a dreamer. But anyway, you wouldn't mess up a deal because the president was a rude dope. That's ridiculous. You go to the Washington Post story, and the actual story is much, much, much more interesting. The, the the moderates, the Democrats and the moderates like Lindsey Graham got right. to the president. They said, listen, we got a deal cooked up. It's a pretty good one, blah, blah, blah. He says, yeah, that sounds good to me. Let's uh, come to a meeting. And then the conservatives say, wait a minute, what? You're going for that deal? It doesn't fulfill any of your campaign promises. And in full uh, Trumpian fashion, he says, what? It doesn't? Like it. We're, I hate this deal. I hate it. <laughs> so Durbin shows up to yeah. the White House with the rest of these geeks, and it turns into a yelling match. Because Durbin and Graham think there's a deal on the table. Trump now says, no way. And the conservatives are saying, no friggin' way we're going for that deal. Everybody gets mad at each other and storms out. That's an interesting story about immigration policy. Whether Trump called the the couple of countries a a shizzle hole or a nightmare or or freaking Disneyland. It's got nothing to do with nothing. (laughs) Haiti is not Disneyland. (laughs) It's not the happiest place on earth. God, you might as well ignore all media. Except Marshall Phillips with the news. President Trump is attacking the media again today. In a series of tweets, the president accused the, quote, fake news mainstream media of deliberately avoiding coverage of record-setting economic news, alluding to the fact that Dow Jones Industrial crossed the 26,000 mark for the first time ever today. He is right about that. If this were happening under a Democratic president, there would be getting a tremendous amount of coverage. And as dumb a measure as the Dow is, really, the, the markets as a whole are way, way up, and uh, economic growth is up, unemployment is extremely low, et cetera, et cetera. Continuing. Uh, Optimism is high. Aren't you optimistic, Marshall? I am very optimistic. There you go. That's a good way to be. Are you thriving or struggling? That's a daily Gallup poll. I'm in between. Uh, I think I'm struggling, actually. I'm not thriving. Really? Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, if I can get my garage door fixed, I'll probably be thriving <laughs> a lot more. Trump said the media is talking about anything negative or that can be turned into the negative. He quoted Fox News' statistic that 90% of Trump 2017 news coverage was negative, adding, and much of it contrived. <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? That reminds me. We really ought to push everything else aside and get to this. Uh, new numbers are out. A global Pew Research poll on how various people in various countries feel about their media. And among the industrialized country, the United States is is among the most, probably the most cynical country about our media. 
Yeah, it's Among just... your countries that matter, not your shizzle holes. Yeah, that's just because our media is crap, though. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Anyway. The Hard tweet, to argue with that. The tweet comes one day before the president is expected to give out his fake news awards. It's not yet known what form the so-called award show will take, but this, he says he's still going to do it. An embarrassing form. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, right. God. We got Mike Lyons coming up, yeah. so we're not going to be able to do that. Nine oh four. Let's make a date. Not what? Okay, for, for nine oh four. The award-winning fourth hour. Yeah. If you don't, you'll be missed. You know, it's not illegal for Americans to travel to North Korea, but the State Department is making it really clear how bad an idea it is, issuing a warning that anyone planning to go to North Korea should prepare for the possibility they might not come back. Now, mm. you don't know that. How do, you, how do you have enough money to travel internationally and you don't know that? Go ahead and go if you want, but I don't think we should, uh, you know, pull out all the State Department stops to try to rescue you if you, you know, decide a, to go. That's a good point. Unless you're a 20-year-old Florida lottery winner, if you have the money to get to North Korea, you ought to know it's a, sh- a shizzle nizzle hole. Come on now. <laughs> the State Department recommendations say travelers should write a will. Make sure their legal affairs are in order and speak to loved ones about the care of children or pets. Wow. And their wishes for their funeral. Wow. That's the official State Department group of guidelines. Plus an extra pair of underwear in case you get sweaty. Well, and not only may you die of North Korea, it's the way you're going to die. I mean, that one dude, they beat him to death. Yeah. Tortured him to death somehow. Well, or they'll work you to death in one of the camps. Ooh. What? Look at these guys here. Look at them. One last quick note. Conan O'Brien is taking his show to Haiti. The decision to film an episode of Conan comes after Trump reportedly made those disparaging remarks about Haiti and other foreign nations. Conan in Haiti. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. I'll just tell you this. The percentage of people in America who believe that our media... Uh, reports the different positions on political issues fairly is less than half. Well, th- 47%. It's 73% in Canada. Who are the people that think most of the media presents the political discussions fairly? L- mostly liberal people. Because okay. from their perception, it's it's fair. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there are many people out there trying to... Uh, to give you both sides of the story. Or this could be true, but this could be true. You decide. We're more cynical than Russians about that. Or skeptical, perhaps. Boy, in Greece, they don't believe anything. 18% (laughs) think the media reports politics fairly. Do you think the media reports politics fairly? Absolutely not. (laughs) Doesn't seem like it's a reasonable question. All right, right. So more on that during the award-winning fourth hour. Well, 60 Minutes was good on Sunday night with a couple of big stories. We're going to ask Mike Lyons about a couple of them coming up. He's our military analyst coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. Hear how bad it's become in the Afghan president's voice. Your soldiers and your policemen are dying in unprecedented numbers. Indeed. How long can that be sustained? Until we secure Afghanistan. How long is that? As long long as it takes. Generations if need be. 
The U.S. isn't going to be here for generations. We will be here for generations. We do not need others to fight our fights. Yeah, I think you probably do. Well, at least to finance them. Yeah, that's true. The president of Afghanistan there and Laura Logan on 60 Minutes on Sunday night saying it's uh, more dangerous than it's ever been since she started going right after uh, we started into this war. Major Mike Lyons, our military analyst, joins us now to discuss the situation in Afghanistan. We'll touch on North Korea as well. But, Mike, what's your reaction to the CBS report that um, that uh, Kabul is more dangerous than ever? You know, they could have played that in 1968 and taken out Kabul and put in Vietnam and taken out uh, McNicholson and put in uh, uh, the generals that ran the Vietnam War. It's just the, the analogies to me about what's happening there are just incredible. And new commanding officer there, he's not new, he's been there since 2016 now at this point, but, you know, you heard him say on that 60 Minutes thing, this is going to win, oh, it's going to be great. Um, you, saw, you saw the the, the media now has put, the, the Department of Defense has put the spin on it, oh, it's going to change, it's going to be great, it's going to be new, everyone's in the military and the Pentagon in particular is rolling their eyes. This whole concept of not being able to go on the ground, you know, back in Vietnam, you know, we would rule the day, they would rule the night, we can't even rule the roads right now, we can't even move our soldiers, so... I, I'm not sure what else to say. If you're the enemy watching that program, you're smiling from ear to ear saying, you know, just a little bit longer and we'll get these guys out of here. Devil's advocate question, because the uh, some of the military folks quoted were, were rather scathing indirectly of some of the Obama administration policies and made it clear that new rules of engagement, new pressure on Pakistan, this thing w- was really going to change. There is reason for optimism. You don't buy it? I don't. I mean, you look at um, other uh, armies that have tried to do the, the same thing that are, that are there. It's going to take another generation of uh, Afghan um, citizens in order to turn this around. And if it's worse than the capital, what, what's actually happening outside the capital where we really don't have any of these soldiers? We're go- you know, we're still slitting throats in the middle of the night, no question. We're, we're out there doing those kinds of things. I'd like to think we're not committing war crimes. There's collateral damage taking place. There's not a lot of media out there to show it. But, but, but the bottom line is to turn that nation around. They don't, they don't participate in, in the world economy. They don't trade goods and services. You heard the Afghan leader say, but for the American military and money, we wouldn't have an army. I mean, $4 billion a year. I mean, where are they going to make that up from? They don't, they don't you know, trade on the – they don't have an economy. So it's very difficult for them to actually be a country unless they can't defend themselves. So how big a deal is it if we just say, oh, the hell with it, you can't fix it? Well, the problem is that looks like losing, and here we go back to Vietnam again. And so, how how do we get out of there? And and who who wants to be that guy uh, that gets credit for losing in, in Afghanistan? It's not going to be General Nicholson, if I know him as well as I do. Um, Donald Trump's not going to be that guy. So, you know, we'll continue to pour in. You notice the one thing he said though in the beginning of that it was protection of the force, and that's been a a priority for the U.S. military for the last. 25 to 30 years, no question. You look at our equipment, you look at our vehicles and the like, because the bottom line is if soldiers didn't feel at least safe and secure while they were there, then, then they'd have a real hard time getting them to go there. But they recognize that they're going to do everything they can to protect the soldiers out of there. That, that's, one of the, that's one of the linchpins that are keeping people from going back. Yikes, yikes. Feels like marking time. Well, yeah, and the, 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 the idea that we're talking about just one little spot in Afghanistan, and it's not secure. It was it was it was crazy years ago when we'd look at uh, Kabul and say, well, ca- of course Kabul is safe, but wait, wait till you get out into the country. You, they can't even get from the airport to their their office building. It's just incredible. 
Yeah, two miles. Can't, can't even... Two miles! Soldiers on a convoy for two miles. Yeah. Oh, boy. Major Mike Lyons is on the line. Uh, not a very uh, optimistic note to end on, but why would there be uh, re-Afghanistan? Uh, let's talk about North Korea for a moment or two. This headline in the New York Times made me think of you. Uh, military quietly prepares for a last resort war with North Korea, because we brought this up several times over yeah. the last, geez, I don't know how many years, and you've always said, right. look, we can't strike North Korea. We're not We're not doing any of the things you would do to prepare for that sort of thing. Are we now? No, we're still not. The military is preparing for North Korea like they're preparing for other conflicts that they have. There's no, we're not restocking any supplies inside of South Korea. We're not evacuating civilians. We're not, we're not beating the war drum. When the United States goes to war, at least preemptively in the last 30 years, we beat along war drum. We say, we're coming, here we come, we're coming, we're coming. It's just not taking, it just hasn't happened. And, um, you know, unless we had a mistake, like we saw in Hawaii, that causes, uh, you know, one side to fire on the other side, or in Japan this morning, too, the same thing. Um, there's, we're not on any kind of war footing whatsoever there. So I, I look at that article, I kind of roll my eyes again and say, like I put on my Twitter feed, it's, it's normal course of business. The, the military gets up every day and prepares for all kinds of conflict. Interesting. So would you agree, I've been saying lately, that it's pretty clear that the United States is just going to go down the road of mutually assured destruction, try to have some understanding, some communication with the North Koreans, Assure them we're not going to invade you, don't lob any nukes at us, and just uh, deal with the uncomfortable uh, realities of the situation for the next several decades. Yeah, it's probably a short destruction on their part, because if they do something else. But we've got to come up with some other deterrent to make sure that they don't proliferate those weapons. That's going to be the other side to this, or their missile technology. So we might have to throw them something there. We might leave South Korea. We might have to uh, tune, tune down some of the military exercises in the Pacific, but but the bottom line is, if, if we're going to contain them, they've got to be contained. They can't take those weapons and sell them to second and world, third world countries. That's going to be a red line that if they cross, I'm not sure what, what our response would be then. Uh, neither is anybody else, I'm afraid. Major Mike Lyons. Uh, Mike, thanks. Always enlightening. We appreciate it. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Yeah, not a very uplifting rah, 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 USA, USA sort of uh, conversation we had with him. It's realism. Wake up and smell the realism. We're uh, we're losing in Afghanistan. What the heck are we trying to accomplish? What we're accomplishing right now is nobody in charge wants to be the person who lost. Well, that's fantastic. Great. That's uh, there's a history of that. Yeah, a number of different societies. Yeah, and then uh, North Korea. We're just going to have to accept it. And what does that say to other countries that want to uh, get nuclear weapons or do whatever they want to do? How many presidents in a row said will not happen? Telling you right now, you are not going to become a nuclear country. Though yes, we are. And nobody's going to stop me. You know, I think, really, honestly, unless there are six-year-olds listening, we don't even have to explain that. It's obvious. Explain it to your six-year-old. We don't have the time. But it seems obvious to me. And it's been hollow all along and or ineffective. And and now we have the reality of North Korean nukes. The proliferation thing is is important. I'm glad he brought that up. If you were going to do something, you had to do it years ago. Right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had this, uh, I was thinking uh, as Mike was talking that one of these days, and, and we're talking about doing some sort of long form podcast at some point, um, I don't know, I'm trying to work out the details, but I'd love to talk to Mike about the realities of the Pentagon military budgeting. I've been hanging on to stories for a couple of weeks. I finally closed the tabs about how um, the uh, American aircraft, especially military aircraft, are completely hollowed out. We have no spare parts. There is a huge percentage of our airborne assets that can't fly because we don't have parts. And that, that big show of force in December where we flew bombers over or close to North Korea 
flew them around South Korea out into the ocean, that sort of thing. It was supposed to be two bombers, but we could only get one in the air. Because we've got gigantic budgets, but they're eaten up by bureaucracy and not the tools that our fighting men and women need. And I'd love to go into depth. I'd like to make that my jihad at some point. The fact that conservatives especially just reflexively vote for more money for the Pentagon, but there's no accountability for, is it still, it's the biggest bureaucracy on earth, I think. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, And nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody talks about it. But seriously, we were going to fly two bombers to intimidate Fathead, and we could only get one up in the air because we got no parts. That doesn't bother you about the world's most awesome military? I can't get it started. Why not? Because I don't have a starter. Oh, well, that's America's military. Doesn't that bother you? Somebody I know in the military tells me about how at the end of every year they get a whole bunch of one year it was sunglasses and backpacks next year it's big screen TVs all the stuff they buy because they have to spend all their money to keep their budget and that sort right. of stuff yeah. and that happens all across the world that adds up to a lot of money and when old man Gates was running the defense department he said he couldn't get stuff that the troops needed through the bureaucracy he was the secretary of defense I'm telling you there there ought to be a hell of a lot more uh, attention paid to that that was not a cheery segment no right it wasn't Huh? I'm popping in a Taylor Swift CD. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.